Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the fun places you can find podcasts. You can also find our content. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man with 9.8 fingers, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> yeah, uh, lopped it off just a smidge in the the most millennial husband of, of ways. Um Running the uh, running the vegetables over the mandolin, uh, which I told someone that today, and they asked if I meant the instrument. Which, okay, <laughs> sure. I don't know which one is worse. That would be like the weirdest metaphor for playing a very very odd instrument. Like just just had a little jam session, ran the vegetables over the mandolin. You know, that's it's a good time. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think like who 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 could who could get away with saying that? Like you're. Uh, Bill Monroe, I don't even Ricky Skaggs. Who's your famous mandolin players through through history? Bluegrass heads hit us up with replies to Texas of who slices their fingers over the mandolin and the all time mandolin shredders. This podcast took a weirder turn in the intro than any of us expected. It, it got real weird. We're gonna tighten it up a little bit. Uh, we've got the man himself, Daniel Seahorn, uh, joining us in just a moment for uh, a little recruiting update. We we finally got our schedules lined up, and Daniel Daniel's gonna bring some heat. Uh, about recruiting and then we'll do down the 40 we'll do burn orange lenses uh this on tuesday rather than in the thursday show because we'll probably have a little bit more lengthy west virginia preview and then we will uh we'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum and so now we bring on the man himself daniel seahorn the recruiting expert for burnt orange nation and a good friend of ours man coach how you doing today i'm doing great man i'm over here trying not to blow my stack over the texans you know it's just i'm glad to be here <laughs> well, we're glad to have you man we uh we, we're gonna talk some good stuff today some recruiting i think you are the man um gerald and i always like to start these out with a caveat to say uh, we know what we know and we know what we don't or what we only know enough to be dangerous about. So we like to bring in the people smarter than ourselves. And we, we think that's you, man. I, I mean, you're, you're calling me smart. So that, I mean, that's, 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 that's very kind you know, some, some would disagree, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, my wife sometimes doesn't think so much. So, you know, so I appreciate you saying so, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be able to talk some uh, longhorn recruiting, man. 
they, you know, they, I'm, we're right in the middle of the fall, you know, and the season's kicked off, so there's a lot of things flying right now. First of all, they call that being a husband, I think, when, when you and your wife disagree about the, the relative level of intelligence. Uh, so, so we talked, Kyle and I talked a little last week, but uh, we want to get your, your thoughts on it. So, for the first time since, since Mac Brown was, was paroling living rooms in the Texas area, uh, the University of Texas flipped a commit straight from Texas A&M, a four-star receiver, Troy Omier, oh, Omieri, whatever we're going to go with on that one. Call him Troy. Uh, I like it. T-O. Let's just do that. Um, So they were able to flip it. Fort Bend wide receiver, 6'3", 217. Just talk for a minute about kind of what he brings to the table and and a gap that he hopefully fills uh, in this class for the Longhorns as they were looking for uh, another receiver taken in in that group. Yes. Troy Omir, a big physical outside wide receiver. There's one thing we know about this staff. They love their big receivers. You see what we got out there right now? With uh, with like Colin Johnson, they had L.J. Humphrey last year. They got Brennan Eagles this year. They got Malcolm Epps. They love their big body wide receivers because the main thing that you'll notice about those big body wide receivers, they're gonna block you and they're gonna block you well. So Troy, you know he that's one thing I still think he needs to improve on. But the physical the physical measurables, you know the height speed combo, he's definitely got that. And what I can what I can see, it's definitely better because I was a little worried about this about the speed because he didn't run well this summer in the camps so that was the big thing but so far this year it looks like he's playing with a little bit of uptick in his speed and like like you said we haven't seen one of these in a while like we like we were talking before we got on the air here we, you have to go back a ways before you see one of these one of these flips main them but the clean flip at that and it was quiet <laughs> quietly done nobody was talking about it nobody had said anything and all of a sudden out of the blue it falls out of the sky. He's like, I'm good. And, but the one thing we, I will say about that recruitment, you know, it was always kind of going back and forth, Texas A&M, Texas A&M. Yeah. You know, LSU kind of dipped their toes in there at one point, and then it ended up being A&M. I was, you know, I honestly wasn't sure if Texas was even going to push after he ended up going to, going to A&M ultimately. But it seems like this staff likes to do it. They got a little, you know, a little, little trick up their sleeves every once in a while. They seem to do this so every single cycle. And that's what they did here. And, I mean, it – as you saw, it was not received well over yonder <laughs> in College Station. It was not at all received. <laughs> That's why I was surprised when you said quiet because the the fallout from Aggies and especially on the Twitter were uh, were were they seem to be be healthy and really processing their feelings pretty well. Um, <laughs> just in an all out all out mental breakdown. Um, so I mean, it, like I said, he's he's one of the top receivers um, in the country, certainly in the state. Um, and, and as far as Texas overall class, I think this puts them according to two four seven at at the number five. I mean, is this is this the the final piece? Is there is there another big piece on the board that potentially moves that number up? I mean, at this point, there's they're, I think they're going to be looking far and wide to try to fill out another spot for the linebacker position because I still think that's the one thing that's still lacking in this class. As you know, they were really hard after Josh White early on in the process before he competed to LSU, and I think they've been still trying to work on him. But you know, that's going to be with well, LSU playing very well. It's going to be it's going to be a tough hill to climb, but they're going to keep on trying to chip away and chip away. But um, I still think they can also go another wide receiver, add another body. I think we were talking part of the podcast. Loic uh, Fuinji from the Midland Lee is, is one that, that's been on, on the radar. He's actually off to a really good start. I think he's averaging like a touchdown or two a game right now at the end of the senior year. So that could be a guy that that's could really end up being blow, really blowing up this fall if he continues to play at the pace he's playing. So, so I know Texas has been in contact, but the one thing I'm worried about is maybe Troy may have t- maybe taken a spot because maybe or do you just double up anyway and say, hey, 
he's just too good to pass, and we take him anyway. So that's the one thing I'm going to be watching there. Another kid who I think is is six four two hundred. So they, you're right about that. Keep they keep him big out there on the on the uh, the wide receivers. Yeah, and he ran like twenty one. I was like twenty one uh, five four in the in the two hundred meters this spring. So nice. another big height speed combo guy. I mean, they're, they're going to throw him at you in waves. That's the one thing I've kind of noticed out there at wide receiver. That I don't think Texas is ever going to really be hurting for those types of guys out there as long as this taps in Austin. They keep them in bunches which seems to be working at least uh, when you look at like S&P plus rankings but Texas has the fourth best offense according to Bill Connolly who finally actually loves Texas a little bit feels good <laughs> uh, feels good about it so with that being said you, you mentioned a couple of guys in there and so I want to get your your thoughts on you know if any of this group, because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of talent in the in the 2020 group. And so which of these guys do you think can come in and be an immediate impact player for Texas when looking at what Texas has now and, and who's already committed and potentially committing? All right. So, I mean, I think the, the easy one, the low-hanging fruit is going to be with John Robinson. I mean, we're talking about a guy I think who think yesterday he had nine, t- nine carries, scored five touchdowns. Come on, like, are you kidding me? I mean, that's the the position, like the run back position is one of those positions that's always easy to kind of see guys, young elite talent get in there and immediately contribute. I mean, right now, Texas, you know, it's been kind of the walking wounded a bit at running back, but, you know, Jordan Winnington was hurt for a while. Keontae Ingram was a little nicked up, you know, starting out in the year. So they were literally trying to find different bodies. That's why we have Roshan, you know, Johnson at running back right now. So there is carries to be had, especially as you try to keep people healthy. So I think once he hits campus and kind of gets up to speed, he'll definitely have a chance to have that early impact. And the kid's talented now. I mean, we we saw, you know, every, everybody far and wide, you know, especially Ohio State, who, you know, you know, they're pretty good at value in the running back position. I mean, it's not hard to see that the talent was there with Bajan, but, you know, everybody was after that kid. Mm-hmm. And I think he has a chance to come in from day one. And he can go ahead and get carries. Um, as far as another one, I mean, I think you're going to have to see – well, let's see. I'm going to say – I was going to say I know that the, the defensive line – it has been uh, a little uh, little deep with some of these guys these days. They're really deep, but I was gonna say Vernon Broughton's one I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw out there because I just think he's so physically talented right now that it may be hard to keep him off the field for very long. I'm like I'm I'm really smitten with Big V because you know, you know I'm a big fella myself. I'm partial to the big fellas. I'm always gonna be down for the big fellas. Big V, he's talented, and I think he's I think he's gonna be a monster once he gets to Austin and gets New Yankee. I was just about to say, I think six five, you know, just shy of three bills now. A Yancey on him, oh gosh, he could he could be he could play anywhere on the line with the speed and size if he can if he can keep his speed as he as he bulks up could be could be a monster. Yeah, because I've already seen what they've done with Tavondre Sweat, and that's yep. making me wonder. Yeah, it's making me wonder if like you know some of those guys who they they got it like that maybe they maybe they might be a little bit ahead of the curve. You know, when once they once they get there and get get in the weight room with them, they they may just surprise us. You just never mm-hmm. know. So, but I think he comes prepackaged with all the things you want, like the intangible stuff, like off the field, you know, the mental stuff too, that's also going to play well, you know, as far as the development. So those are things you also got to look for. Over the uh, over the summer when Broughton was visiting Texas, somebody tweeted a picture of him uh, in the locker room, and I thought he was somebody's uncle. Like I was like, who's who's whose uncle is that in the locker room, and why? Like the, he just looks like a grown man already. It's ridiculous. The big he's a big dude, you know, but you know he's also quite the character. I got a chance to sit there and chat him up when you know while we were down there in Dallas for the for the opening. Yeah, and I'm you know like I'm six four and change, and he's like so he's taller than me. So that's like that. So anytime I have to look up to you, you're a big guy. So, <laughs> 
Absolutely. I, I do want to ask this, this uh, follow-up question to the 2020 kind of class overall. A couple of the guys are taking uh, some visits. We had uh, Joshua Eaton on campus at OU. Uh, Bijan's taking some visits. Are, are, are there any guys that Texas fans should be keeping an eye on or maybe worried about uh, as, as the class closes? We're, what, three months out from, from early signing day? I, I would potentially – I know Princely, like I said, Princely and Josh Eaton were uh, out there taking visits to OU. I might – potentially say maybe keep an eye on Princely just because, you know, his tendencies and, you know, the way he kind of flowed back and forth between the, you know, the regional schools was a little interesting, so to speak, you know, cause you know, if, at one point it felt like OU, another day it felt like A&M. Yeah. And then he's, he was like, yeah, Texas, you know, he just, you never know. So anytime a guy like that who would kind of bounce him back and forth and was a little volatile is visiting one of those regional rivals, you, you know, don't exactly get the warm fuzzies. But, you know, I think ultimately, you know, Texas has a good shot at keeping them as long as they keep winning ball games, you know, and right. things keep going well there. I think Texas will have a shot. Well, and he's an interesting one, too, because you just mentioned two defensive linemen, and there there is some talent in that class, but it also, like you said, deep. You look at Keandre Coburn, what he's doing kind of uh, in his first season of full-time. There's some guys who aren't going anywhere for a little while, so hopefully the deep rotation, though, that Todd Orlando's running on that position tells these guys that, hey, if you're good enough, you can see the field and at least uh, at least start to get there. So we're fingers crossed that if he wants to play for a good defense right now, that, uh, that probably precludes Oklahoma uh, as they stand today, although they're getting a little better. I don't want to put too much credit there bit of better like, <laughs> i mean the, the the bar was low at the last year so let's still like, right. you gotta you get the, the arrow has to point up right when you're dead last you really anything is an improvement there, there it is that, that, that's absolutely right so we want to do one quick thing we, we we focused on the 2020 but 2021 uh kind of out of nowhere heated up uh toward the end of the summer uh just blowing up especially after uh jalen milrow committed things just started seeming to fall into place he became a meme very quickly uh, among texas fans so as we look at 2021 where do we think or who do we think are, are some more pieces because texas has right now the number two ranked class in the country with a lot of iron still in the fire so what do you think or who are some guys that texas fans should be looking out for uh coming down the pike oh man you know I, like i said i was just i thought was talking about how i'm partial to the big fellas man so i'm going right back there because you know the main thing outside of the, you know, the quarterback position, the one thing that everybody's been talking about this class has been the offensive line. Yeah. Because, see, see, she agrees. Um, so the offensive line class for the 2021 is one of the deeper positions like I've ever seen. Like, you know, you literally have about 10, at least 10 elite bot, big bodies on the offensive side of the ball for this class. You know, Bryce Foster, Donovan Jackson, Aiden Connor, you know, I mean, Ruben Fathery, like, I mean, just, just, you can, there's names upon names upon names. You, you can literally probably fill out two, two, the three O-line classes across the region and you're, and you, you'd probably be happy about it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't probably wouldn't trade it for anybody else's. I mean, Texas is already on the way there because you already got Aiden Connor in the class. Yeah. So, and you know, he's already working on his teammate Bryce Foster and then they're all close to Donovan Jackson. So those are guys that like I'm paying attention to right now because as we say, hashtag Milrow is putting in work. So, I mean, it's just been crazy how people are talking about him and how, how he's kind of been like the Pied Piper on the recruiting trail. Like, I mean, you even had, you even had a uh, uh, Quentin Johnston, you know, putting hashtag Milrow in his commitment tweet. Like, <laughs> you had guys from this class talking about Milrow. It's I'm like, it's, it's infectious. It's, it's kind of just, Interesting to see the even you never see the uh, older guys talking about the younger players 
in, in, in situations like that. But it's definitely interesting, and I think he's going to be worth a lot, you know, down the stretch whenever Texas is trying to uh, close some of these recruitments out. But I'm definitely watching the guys like Donovan Jackson. I think Texas has impressed him, and uh, they're going to have to fight off some elite talent. You know, like I know – like Ohio State's in there. He re- recently visited Stanford. So the work's going to be cut off for him. But, you know, I think Texas, I think, you know, there's going to be an in-state program that's going to be able to close that deal. I think it's going to be Texas. And, and and you didn't even mention a friend of, of or favorite of the podcast, Tommy Brockermeyer, Savion Bird, who has the Texas connection with Duncanville. So it's it's good and, and getting better, right? I, I, it's, I don't remember a class that got off to this type of start. Like Gerald said earlier, there's so much meat on the bone that just makes you still... It's like when you eat a good meal and then they bring out the dessert. And you're like, wait, I'm hungry again? Did that just happen? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good right now, man. Yeah, the, the Brockermeyers, man. That's... that. Golly, man. I'm just... I'm just sitting here thinking about all the possibilities you could potentially have. It's like, man, because you might, I was like, if I'm, I'm kind of greedy, it's like, it's like, you know, you, you want to get your best five, man. Why not get six? Man, you know, <laughs> hey, man, why not? Why, what's, what's, what about seven? Like, how do you just get five? Like, when you're, like, you're going to have to tell some really good players no. And yeah. that's kind of wild to me, you know, it's more with, especially with how if things have kind of played out already, you're, you already got people reserving their spots. It's early. We're not, even, we're not even to February and, you know, um, junior day season and spring, you know, the spring camp. Like we're, like, we're filling up real, real quick here, you know. So that's – it's going to be interesting to see how the staff navigates it because you don't want to fill up too early because you definitely want to still do your due diligence. You want to make sure you have the most complete evaluation yep. of a player as possible, which the staff is doing a really good job of doing. So they don't want to, they don't want to you know, kind of overextend themselves and find themselves in a situation where they popped on a guy too soon just to see that he peaked early, you know? So it's a, it's a fine line. You got to walk when you're doing this. So I think they kind of get, you know, after they had like the crazy August and, you know, late in the end of July, I think they kind of said like, okay, Hey, maybe we got to like, you know, let's ease up a little bit. Let's kind of like take our foot off the gas a little bit, you know, kind of hang tight so we can kind of get them, get some more information on some of these kids. These are what we call good problems to have though. Having to say, which, which one of the five-star offensive tackles does Texas take in this class? This, this feels like Texas back to being the Joneses in the recruiting world, which is a nice feeling to have. Absolutely. Like that's, it's been a while. Texas fans are probably definitely glad back to being that because the people were a little worried, you know, definitely feels like they've got things clicking where they want it to be and they're heading in the right direction on the field as well. Daniel, we're going to, we're going to let you go. I know, I know you got the, the, the kids in the background. So I want to make sure you can go do the dad stuff, but peak dad, man. Peak uh, dad. <laughs> so if people want to get more of what you have to offer, man, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Daniel Seahorn on Twitter. Like I said, you can find me on burnt orange nation. There, I got some, right, we just dropped a uh, little new thing. Me and uh, Cody are doing called the eyes in the sky. So we're going to be breaking down some, some of the Texas products aspects that you know that, that are on the recruiting radar so you you can see that we're going to try to make it a weekly thing might be every other week just depends we want to try to keep, keep pumping that out so everybody's familiar with what's going on in the texas recruiting world but uh hey i appreciate y'all having me on and um i'm looking hope we can do it again soon absolutely love it man thank you today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's 
magical. Good stuff from Daniel. Now comes the part of the show where we give some shine to the uh, programs that don't necessarily get as much attention as they probably deserve, and we down the 40. And so we'll start with the the ladies of the soccer team. It felt right to start with them. They had a tough uh, run last week, so they got on, they got back on the in the swing of things, uh, back to back one nil wins over number seventeen Kansas and Kansas State. Just go ahead and rip the state of Kansas off uh, to open up conference play. Kyle, I know you are a uh, vehement hater of the state of Kansas. This must feel good as a way for the ladies to start uh, the the conference season. Oh yeah, no, this was nice. This uh, they ripped off uh, Kansas just like their former governor. Just kidding, not getting into that. Um, but uh, but no, uh, <laughs> women's soccer after an eight zero win, they realize they can just get by winning just by one. They don't really have to waste all their goals like that. The Tom Herman school of just enough uh, points from last year, uh, just enough points to to get us over the finish line. So hopefully they just one zero the rest uh, the rest of the Big Twelve. But truly. They had been undefeated coming into Big 12 the past two seasons. They had a really tough opening uh, nine games, especially being on the road a lot. So hopefully that uh, that medal and getting some some injured folks back means that Texas is ready to get a number next to that name again. Speaking of uh, battle-tested, the number two women's golf team wins the Schooner Classic by nine strokes. Caitlin Papp uh, set the pace for the Longhorns in third place. They had a whopping 45 birdies over the weekend. Uh, number 10 men's golf fell from the number one spot in the nation after a ninth place finish to open the season. Um, They're currently sitting at number eight in the Nike Invitational over at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. That is in Oregon, which is a very Oregon name for a golf club. Keeping it country club, the men's tennis team uh, put up a good showing at the Southern Intercollegiate Championships in Athens over the weekend. Uh, Christian Sisgard uh, finished uh, first out in his competition after missing a week one. Uh, and then Sisgard paired with uh, freshman CM. Did we did we go with Woladab? Woladab? Is that what we come up with? I feel like that's right. Kyle's dabbing. Podcast is a visual medium, so I'm sure you all enjoyed my dab there. Yeah, I'm going to go Woldab is uh well <laughs> sounds like alabama wool dab real tight um no uh <laughs> yeah i think that's right but sisgard back from representing his country denmark in the davis cup shows why he's the number two ranked player in the in the nation everyone's everyone's gun informed this season and so far the pressure has not affected him good to go texas looking to uh have another strong finish obviously they won a national championship last last year number six volleyball 3-1 win over iowa state actually watched a lot of this match uh, iowa state looks solid but texas just just was too much for them late uh Mikaya white doing what she does 19 kills skylar field chipped in 15 uh and then they swept texas tech because it's always good to just put the boost to texas tech uh Mikaya white again set the pace with 13 kills man it's it's been a good start to conference play uh, for the longhorns yeah the uh the ladies are are one of the best teams in the nation but unfortunately they're actually looking up uh the table which is not a common thing uh baylor just recently uh, named the number one team in the country they were number two last week um that's two weeks uh two weeks in a row that texas has not been the top uh, the top-ranked Big 12 team in the polls. Gerald, I, I gave you this number, so I'm not going to make it a trivia, but for listeners, take a moment. Think, out of the 130, 130 weeks since Nebraska left the Big 12, how many do you imagine that UT has not been the top-ranked team in the polls, the Big 12 team in the polls? 
Do, do, do. Okay, I won't Jeopardy you, but they've been 125 out of the last 132. So this is uh, rare territory. Uh, they have that matchup coming up, I believe, the 23rd of October. Hopefully, if uh, Baylor's still undefeated, they will be the ones to knock them off if someone else doesn't get to it first. Not hopefully. They will be the ones to knock them off. Swimming and diving held their orange and white kickoff meet this weekend. Competitive action begins at home against Kentucky on October 25th. So here in about three weeks, baseball released their fall schedule with two games against junior colleges. Kind of one of the things that they do to get warmed up before the annual fall world series, uh, October 27th against McLennan, uh, November 3rd against San Jacinto college. And then November 16th through the 19th, that fall world series. Yeah. Playing against San Jacinto college, always a good idea. A lot of good players come out of there uh, and go on to play at big uh, D one school. So just a little, uh, you know, letting those players see the, See, the facility is not a bad idea, but this is actually big because Texas has 21 returning lettermen and has to break in 20 new faces. They have two new coaches as well as 18 new players, 15 freshmen and three JUCO players uh, coming in. So this is a team with a lot of returning experience, but also with a lot of new faces. So it'll be a good chance to get a good look or first look at those. It's exciting times. And then uh, the WNBA finals kicked off Sunday with a Longhorn heavily involved in the action. Uh, the top seeded Washington Mystics won game one of the five game series against the Connecticut Sun. Uh, everybody's favorite uh, UT women's basketball player, Ariel Atkins, chipped in 21 points, five rebounds, and chipped in three steals. Yeah, the uh, our, at least our favorite alliterative alumni, Ariel Atkins. That's four A's. Um, that was good. Thank you very much. Uh, she's She made this season her, her second team all defense, uh, which is her second year in a row in her two years in the league, basically, um, doing that. So she's a force to be reckoned with, but uh, was just shy of being the top scorer. I believe Deladon had 22 points, but she did all of that in 23 minutes, which is fantastic work uh, for the second-year player. She looks to be the third Longhorn to win in a WNBA title uh, if she can see it through the next games on Tuesday would be the first Longhorn since Nikisha Henderson in 2000. Looking like a young Kyle Carpenter in the intramural leagues. That's what that that's what that feels like. Uh, you are absolutely right, my friend. Uh, except my shorts were a little bit shorter. So let's move it on now to um, my favorite section here, just because I get to intro it. The burnt orange lenses where we put on our favorite burnt orange Ray-Bans and take a look at the rest of the world. This was a perfect week to do it as the Longhorn football team was on a bye. So this was probably what most of you uh, were doing on Saturday, if not going through withdrawals from little burn orange football. But there was some, some very relevant and unbelievably exciting games to take in uh, and, and, and burnt orange perspective. So starting off, uh, the fighting Shane Bouchelles of Dallas uh, Austin North at this point, SMU dominating Charlie Strong's Central or South Florida, forty-eight to twenty-one. It was forty-one to zero when SMU pulled the starters in the third. Gerald, it was uh, it's dire down there in Tampa for Chuck. I am I'm a Charlie Strong fan as a person, but I am also in the probably Charlie Strong is not at a point where he is a head coach uh, that, that should be running a division one program at least. And, and again, I hate to, to prove red McCombs right at this point, but maybe yeah. he was just not the, not the right pick for Texas very clearly. Um, it, it, but, but you know what? We're going to focus on Shane doing Shane things and being an incredible quarterback helming SMU. 
Oh, yeah. And, and Shane, uh, the wind pushes SMU into the top 25, which is a big deal, actually right above the Texas Aggies, which is never a bad place to be. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I believe uh, the first time since since uh, 1986. Is that correct? Yeah, when, when Craig James was terrorizing the streets of, of Dallas, Fort Worth, Metroplex, and, and certain people of a, a old, if not oldest, profession uh, feared him. R.I.P. to the five. Um, so let's move on to uh, to the other big game um, that I, I assume every Longhorn had to be watching just for the, the sheer uh, craziness of it. But Mac Brown almost led the upset of the season. Um, I, I don't know if Dabo Swinney ever coached for Mac Brown. I couldn't find that in my records, but he played him like he was one of his former assistants all the way through the game. Um Really, really sad loss by one. They they score uh, with, I believe, a minute and some chains left to, uh, you know, obviously be down one twenty to 21. Went for two, the decision, which, again, if you're the underdog trying to get the upset, I think it's the right call. Fortunately, Clemson is just unbelievably fast on defense, and uh, trying to get the edge on an option run from two yards doesn't give you enough space to work them, and they snuffed it out. So they lost by one point it was a it was a tough one but you know what mac looked like he was smiling having a good time just you know that that north carolina team again don't don't forget uh they won two games you know they are a team that is just happy to be there there's supposed to be a rebuild mac was a guy who people laughed about his hire uh over there and and really i mean has lost all he's won some games this season and the ones he's lost are by combined i think like five points at this point so um He's right there. I just I just love people getting to see like good Mac Brown because there's a there's a big contingent of Texas fans whose like lasting impression of Mac Brown and really their only impression of Mac Brown is like the the post Colt McCoy Garrett Gilbert flame out like everything past that and people don't understand like when Mac Brown is is good he can be really really stinking good like Dabo said it that Mac out coached him like after the game and I I love the call going for it. like the 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 best way it's described like I love the call of going for it I did not like the play call uh you got to have like a tight end dragging on the back end or something right like you got to you got to have a, a passing option in there but like that that's just when mac brown is is at the top of his game and he's like he's coaching loose he's having fun he knows like this is just kind of him dusting it off to see what happens uh, and i absolutely love seeing it I, looking at their schedule like i think that they're going to hit a bowl game this year like they're not a ton of teams on their schedule that I think have much of a, if they play as well as they did against Clemson, they, they can end up with six wins and in a bowl game, which is just awesome for a team that again, won two games last year. Oh, I'm still not writing them out of, of getting Clemson again this year by winning their division. If they just go through, um, a relatively paper thin side of, of the ACC and, and just for what it's worth, the ACC is grading out right now as closer to the sixth team than any of the power five or sixth conference, the AAC than any of the, the power five or really power four, um, even with pac 12 kind of beating themselves up. So, I mean, it's, it's max for the taking it's Clemson and then nobody. So I, I would love to see Mac, 
rip a run of about six wins in a row here and, and get that team in just a great position. So uh, so finally, the, the kids who aren't quite yet on the uh, on the 40 acres, the Clout 2020 class showed out this week. Obviously, with Texas having a bye week, uh, we paid attention just like the coaching staff did. They were spread out all around the state and around the country checking out uh, some of the recruits playing their senior season, some junior season, seeing what, what talent is in the pipeline. Again, we've talked uh, we talked with with Mr. Seahorn about that recruiting, but some of those dudes just to just to highlight exactly how much they bowled out. My favorite being Mr. Bijan Robinson. After his 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 video game numbers earlier in the season, I believe someone called this one looking like the my player career in an NCAA dynasty stats. Eight carries five touchdowns now unless you you are a mike allstott fullback and all those are goal line carries that's that's silly it it just to reassure you that is not what it is it just three times in the game he was tackled think of it that way that's (laughs) (laughs) that's that's playing against the corbett junior high b team like that's what that is like you don't you don't do that against air like, what do you like? That's just ridiculous. It's a Thursday walkthrough that he <laughs> three guys got overzealous <laughs> and accidentally hit him. Um, no, it, you know, it, it, he's it's in a crazy. green jersey, guys. <laughs> it's crazy. But honestly, I, I, I love the idea of it. Again, you think about Keontae Ingram and the discussion around him. Herman said he kind of kept um, the pitch count on him last year because he had so many carries in high school. Um, if Bajan can go through and just, you know, get 140 carries his whole senior season and still, you know, rip off, let's say, 140. 40 carries, I'd say about 98 touchdowns, then, uh, you know, that's a pretty good year. And, and the less he Max gets tackled, <laughs> that's right. The less he gets tackled, the, uh, the fresher and healthier he'll be ready to, uh, ready to impact, uh, next season. So, uh, another guy who people are, uh, people are, are starting to notice just how good he is. Mr. Uh, H of cards, Hudson card, um, 20 to 24 for 361. Again, video game or Sam Ellinger um, numbers out here uh, four touchdowns in the win over Austin High. Gerald, what what's the deal with this guy? Is he is he better than we even thought? It it's looking like he is going to get a uh, hashtag BOMC ratings bump as he uh, a, as the season closes. He's a guy that probably likely sees his name move up a little bit. Uh, the, the the quarterback competition in the state of Texas, really just the competition in the state of Texas over the next three years is pretty thick, but I can see him getting a ratings bump. He just looks really good. Like he's just, he's playing really, really well. And it just goes to show you the, um, the evaluations that Tom Herman and his staff do on these guys is incredible because Card was was a highly touted kid, but there were some other guys that they could have gone after. A guy like Malik Hornsby that people were really high on us, and now Hudson's our guy, which so I'm I'm glad to see that. Oh yeah, and I mean again, I'm I'm currently rewatching Friday Night Lights, and these are better numbers than than even J D McCoy or you know, uh, I, really he's probably the best, most accurate passer in there. Twenty for twenty four is tough to do, no matter the level. So. Also, the big recruit, we just talked about him with Coach Seahorn, uh, Mr. Omer, um, went for over 100 yards um, and a TD with Coach Herman and Corby Meekins on hand to watch the uh, the Sugarland uh, product. So, pretty good week for the guy. Flips from Aggie, so there's an instant life upgrade. Uh, gets 100 yards plus a 38-yard a, a touchdown where he just walked away from people. He ran a couple jet sweeps, too, showed... 
showed some speed out there looked like a natural runner kind of looks like a guy who isn't isn't trying hard but keeps getting separation in the yardage from from other players so again we talked about him having that brendan eagles type build and it, and it looked to check out this guy is going to be a contributor for texas uh, i think sooner rather than later he's one of those young guys even as crowded as that wide receiver room is going to get he fits the mold of a kind of multi-purpose big body that that herman and beck love so much and uh last but certainly not least gerald you saw this right senator quay davis just choose a word to describe how good that catch was. Stick him. Ooh, I like that. I like that. OBJ would have been sufficient there. Uh, slap your mama would have been great. Filth. Any of those. Basically, the quarterback threw it up to the exact pylon of the end zone. And I'll do my best job recreating it with words. You should go find the video. Um, but he got it's to on our the... Twitter. It, it is. You should obviously be following us at Longhorn Pod. Check it out there. Uh, but he got to the corner of the end zone with the, the outside arm kind of inside, palmed it one-handed, still kept the feet in for a touchdown. Um Right in front of the right, right in front of the coaches. Um, I believe uh, Maringer was there. So um, <laughs> that's the type of stuff you want to do to to get your future coaches excited. Um, might see another bump there if he can do that kind of stuff as well. But just just really, really, really awesome. He's in that twenty twenty one class, of course. But just really awesome to uh, to see what the kids are. The kids are all right. I'll put it that way, Gerald. The way that Texas is recruiting across twenty. 21 and even 22 is looking like they're going to have a big, big haul. I'm super excited about it. But now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Well, this week, Gerald, I am banging the Joe Ruiz drum on, uh, on our boy, good friend of the podcast. We all know him as CDC. People forget that that actually stands for uh, Commander Del Chief. Um, Mr. Del Conte, a man not to mince words. He was uh, at the Texas Tribune, uh, or a panel hosted by the Texas Tribune, along with um, Ross Bjork, um, I believe, like the, the Swedish pop singer. singer? Is how you pronounce that? Yeah, I believe so. Um, a and M athletic director. Um, the, the question came up, as you may have imagined those things are want to do when both of those men are in the room, whether Texas should, should play A&M and, and Del Conte got straight to the point. Um, you know, he, he basically said that, that UT not playing A&M is, is not good for college football. And, and we, we've had that conversation on here. I'm sure our listeners have opinions, but the, you know, he, he, he kind of brought it into perspective and, and said about some other rivalries, the backyard brawl, Pittsburgh and West Virginia, not playing, uh, you know, Nebraska, not playing, Oklahoma, um, you know, there's some there's some rivalries historically that have been been good and gone by the wayside. Um, he said we need to play each other. Kind of went on to explain that they had an opening they asked for um, when they had the schedule opening. Hey, A and M, would you like to play us? Uh, and then uh, A and M got scared, and he said that the next ten years, obviously, we're playing Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Florida, and Georgia. And then his quote that I loved in the whole thing. I'm going to interpret it as a subtle dig is we're going to play anyone that's won a national championship in the modern era. Our brand is one of the best in the country. We're going to play them again, listing off all of those schools immediately after saying they tried to play the Aggies. Aggies weren't having it. If that's your criteria for playing a team, 
Gerald, do you consider 1939 to be the modern era? What year is World War One? That World War One ended in 1918. So okay, so it's after World War One. No, not at all. Like I, I just I wanted to draw that out as long as I could. Um, but no, like absolutely like there's no way that that is in the modern era. Like there school integration hadn't happened yet. Kyle, like that's, that's, that's how far back we have to go to look for uh, the last time A&M claimed, excuse me, won a national championship. Aggies, I'm going to throw you a bone here as, as, as good scholars of the Bible, if you think of the world in the 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 Jesus sense, if you're thinking if you're thinking the full spectrum of humanity, then sure, you could consider 1939 the modern era. You could also consider the 150 years of college football to entirely exist uh, within that modern era. But in the <laughs> in the spectrum of college football, Aggies ain't. This is a family show, so I'll say nothing um they really have never been anything other than that annoying mosquito that got into your car and just keeps buzzing around your head while you're driving to see your actual friends so um i'm sorry a&m we tried if you're scared if you can make up your own excuses to make you sleep better at night but you may just not be important enough for us they're too busy making charitable donations to FCS schools, excuse me, paying them to play uh, in or around College Station. Uh, so my bang the drum this week is on my favorite part of football season, and I thought we were it was over, right? Those usually happen at the end of fall camp, but uh, this week Texas posted a video of two walk-on players receiving scholarships. Uh, Hank Kutanamos? Kutamanos? I'm not sure. Defensive back. Uh... And then uh, a name you're probably familiar with, third-generation Texas football player Luke Brockermeyer, uh, who's got a, a couple of younger brothers who are also in the hopper for Texas, hopefully, were both given scholarships. And it's just, it it warms my heart to see people's hard work pay off. Like, this is the American dream in a microcosm, right? Like, we, we believe that you should be fairly compensated and, and, and be able to, if you work hard enough, like achieve your dreams. Right. And so like, it's just so cool to see that. And I always love the creative ways that they do it. Like there were, there's like a class about teaching them how to tie a tie, which I had to do that in college. I looked it up on YouTube. The first time I had to be on TV, I was like, I never knew how to tie a tie. So tie a tie.net was my best friend. Right. So, um, they were, they just surprised them. And it's just so cool to see the family environment. Cause the players around them were rallying and they were, uh, you know, giving out hugs and daps and all that. And it was just so cool to see that these two young men worked hard, went to school, paid for it and did all of the things that the athletes do and they were rewarded for. And so not every walk-on can get a scholarship, but I love when they're able to give them to some guys that really deserve it. And it's just always so cool to see. Gerald, I'm going to tie, (laughs) I'm going to tie this all together uh, for you. Um, Do you know how many Brockermeyer boys there are sons? Uh, So Luke's the oldest, right? I believe so. So you've got Luke, then you've got the twins that are what juniors in high school. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's one more that's younger, right? That's correct. I think there's four. That's correct. There are there are four Brocker Myers. Dad obviously played at Texas. We're not going to count him for this. So granddad played at Texas to K Brocker Meyer. Well, I mean, if you're a Brocker Meyer and you didn't, that is what I'm getting at, Gerald. What is a non-Windsor famous tie uh, technique that people would do? Two in the hand? Uh, no, it's actually four in hand. So again, 
Texas, getting all four Brocker Myers. You heard it here first. Four Brocker Myers in hand. That's why Tom Herman, Mensa Tom, had them doing ties. You heard it here first. Four Brocker Myers in hand. Oh, it's burn the hand, two in the bush, four in the hand for the tie, right? I got that confused. But that's all we've got for you this week. You can check us out on our new podcast, Tying a Tie with Two Guys Who Don't Know Why. That was impressive. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, They can find me on how to tie a tie. Just kidding. No, I only do that for bow ties. No, find me at Kyle Carpenter on Twitter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. As always, shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Feliz cumpleaños, Sam. Mm-hmm.